Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 52 of Unmasked. I am your host, Neil Getzlow. Uh, thank you so much for coming on this journey with me. I appreciate all of you tuning in each week. My faithful listeners, thank you for being here. And if you are new to this podcast this week, hey, I am so glad that you are here as well. I encourage you to scroll through the podcast feed, catch up to some older episodes that you might have missed. We've had some awesome guests on over the past year. You can believe it. We're almost to one year anniversary. And um, also check out my website, neilgetslow.com, where you can learn more about my journey. Before we get into today's episode, just a quick programming note for you. If you were paying attention at the end of last week's episode, you might have heard me tease that I was going to start to have a video component to Unmasked starting with this episode. And that is still the plan, but uh, life has gotten in the way the past couple of weeks. And so this episode will be audio only for now. I, I didn't want to wait any longer on getting this episode up. So here's you're listening to the audio only portion. Uh, I am hoping to have the video piece up shortly, probably just a few days uh, after this is released. So I will update, I'll update the show notes with the link to YouTube where you can watch the video component. And hopefully going forward, we're going to do video audio, getting crazy here on Unmasked, but hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's jump into today's episode. It was Valentine's Day this past week. Hope you had a great holiday. I got to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of Valentine's Day. I just think it's, um, well, I think it's a fake made up holiday to get us to buy stuff, of course, right? And yes, we we always give in to that for sure. But it's, I don't know, I just, uh, I think loving our spouses, our significant others, that should happen every single day of the year and not just get us to think about it on, on one particular day of the year. And I, I just got done reading this book, uh, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. If you have not read it, I encourage you to do so. It's a, a good book on on marriage and and especially when um, having God at the center of your marriage, he yeah just uh, go check out that book. But there's a, a line in here that I, I wanted to read and read out to you because it uh, it really hit me. Uh, so here's here's the line. He, he says, "Once I became a father, this made perfect sense to me. It came the day I realized that Lisa isn't just my wife; she's also God's daughter, and I was to treat her accordingly." When I realized I am married to God's daughter and that you women are married to God's son, everything about how I viewed marriage changed. God feels about my wife, his daughter, in an even holier and more passionate way than I feel about my own daughters. And look, that that line just blew me away because I've got to be honest, you know, you know, how I how I view my wife, Amy, and how I look at Amy and how I treat Amy, it is so much different than it was, you know, just three years ago. But in reality, did, did I ever sit down and think, I am married to God's daughter? I'm not sure I ever did. I, like I've contemplated like God is at the center of our relationship. Absolutely. But did I, you know, those that thought just until until this book pointed it out to me, I, I really hadn't contemplated it, and uh, I, I love it so much. And, and you know, that's the question, right? Are we treating our spouses with the love and respect that God's daughter and yes, God's sons deserve in marriages? So today we're talking with Kurt and Brooke McNary. 
Kurt is pastor at the Rock of KC Church, the church I attended in Kansas City, Missouri. And he was he, he was actually very instrumental in, in helping me come to the Lord. He was one of the first people that I talked to after my journey got unmasked. And you can read about our connection in my book, Unmasked, available at neilgetslow.com. Go check it out. But together with Brooke, they lead the marriage ministry uh, at the Rock of KC Church. And we talk about some practical ways for couples to keep that love burning, not just on Valentine's Day, but every single day of the year. And it starts with having God at the center of the relationship and having that spiritual intimacy together. So, hey, let's unmask godly marriages with Kurt and Brooke Vigneri. And so, uh, hey, before we we jump into the heart of the topic tonight, I just want to give you a chance just to take a second just to introduce yourselves and tell everybody a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, sure. Kurt, I'm Kurt <laughs> Vigneri. This is my wife, Brooke Vigneri, and uh, we are pastors, gym owners, marriage coaches. <laughs> all of the above. All, yeah, all of the above. And we've been married for 22 years. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. And almost all of them happy. Yeah. <laughs> mm, all right. We'll have to dig into that. <laughs> yeah, right. That. We have two boys. They're yeah. 17 and 18. Yep. One college mm-hmm. and one junior in high school mm-hmm. and three dogs. Three dogs. Oh, yeah. The new, the new kids of the family. Yeah. <laughs> the, new, the, the, the doodles, the two doodles. Uh, well, and I, you know, and before, you know, we, we get too far down the path, I do, I do want to say thanks to both of you. I appreciate all that you've done uh, for Amy and, and me and our journey. Um, you've been a huge source of encouragement. And Kurt, you were, you know, helped me um, way back in the beginning um, before I even was saved. And before I knew what was about to hit me, uh, you were... <laughs> You were back there whispering, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, twenty-two years of marriage. So, well, how did how did you guys meet? Well, let's see. We were in high school, but we went to different high schools. So, yeah. um, we had a mutual friend, and he would bring Kurt around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's a pretty God story, but the the. Um, to summarize it, uh, I I had fr- uh, high sprained my ankle my senior year and couldn't play football. So instead of playing football, um, I really was struggling to go watch the games. So my buddy said, well, why don't we go to the school where he was from and uh, and flirt with the cheerleaders at, at the soccer games? Uh, and so that's what I did. I went to the game and found her. <laughs> <laughs> So it, a blessing out of something that I did at the time was very disappointed. I couldn't play my senior year. And, but now that it, through this lens, I'm like, wow, had I not hurt myself, I would have never went to the soccer games and maybe never. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, and so, um, you know, I really want to focus in and, and talk to the both of you about, cause you do, you do a lot of work with, with marriages and couples and trying, and especially, um, focused on on helping build build relationships, heal relationships, and put God at the center of all that too. Um, so, but speaking from your experience over 22 years, I'm sure there were some moments of uneasiness along the way, just like every marriage. 
Yeah, do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when we when we got married, we were really young. I was barely 19 and he was 21. Yeah. And so we knew the odds were not in our favor and you know everyone was kind of thinking it wasn't going to work out. <laughs> but and so we went into marriage and it was pretty easy at the beginning. Like everybody said, Oh, the first year is going to be the hardest. And we breezed right through that. So, you know, we thought we were like rock stars at being married. Like we were so good at it. And then we got to about the seven year mark and life just kind of punched us in the face and the bottom kind of fell out. And we, you know, had to rebuild for like three years. We had to rebuild from that. And so, but then on the other side of that, it's been even better than when we thought we were really great at being married. <laughs> right. So yeah, it has had its ups and downs for sure. But I think if you can get through those things, then it, you're definitely stronger on the other side. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it's worth, I think we determined uh, that the best marriage, like we wanted to have the best marriage. We were tired, tired of settling. Um, now that's finally when we got to a place of like clarity like that. And that took me opening my eyes to, to see how wrong I was, how I needed to change my perspective and change, change behavior, change perspective, ask for forgiveness, all these things and totally do a 180, um, which, which required her you know, offering, like she didn't have to, she, she had plenty of reasons to not. And, um, but she chose to dig in and, and we chose to fight for the healthiest marriage. So, yeah. So we, we just decided that like we had to draw a line in the sand and move forward and we weren't going to, we were only going to have a 10 out of 10 marriage. Nothing else was like, why bother? Right. So if you're not going to have the an amazing marriage, then we're not settling for less than amazing. So we had to just put the work in and dig into each other and dig into the Lord. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yes. Make some changes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And and I can totally relate to that, of course. Right. Because we sort of had a a before and after marriage, right. And before was pretty horrible. That, That was all on me. And, but the after has been more than you could ever imagine. And yeah. so I'm curious for, for the, for, for you guys in your marriage, what were some of the things that you had to sort of make a U-turn on to get to that point where now, instead of, you know, hitting the ones and twos in your marriage, now you're, you're, you're constantly hitting those tens. I think number one was really like me asking the forgiveness piece. Um, that was like step one. Um, and not just like, the, the typical, like, forgive me and, and we can brush this under the carpet and move forward. It was come, come to her, forgive me. And I have no demands. Um, I think that's like a real critical thing when somebody misses it in marriage. And for me, I was missing the mark big time saying yes to relationships, saying yes to work, saying yes to good things, even, um, that were, that were taken away from family, taken away from intimacy, um, really bad really bad, poor decisions. So I had to lay at her feet and lay it down and just say, will you forgive me? And I make no demands on how that looked. Um, and then number two, God opened my eyes, um, looking at her one night 
um, as I came home from another late night, not in, and, um, I remember saying yes to a ministry thing and saying yes to some people and staying out way too late and, uh, coming home and just staring and, and my spirit broke, uh, to, I don't know my wife. How have we arrived in the space of cohabitating? How have we arrived? And it really hit me. It's me. I can't speak for her and her part, but I knew it's me and God pulled it back. And so then my heart's desire was to know her, to know from the smallest things to get to know her. Cause we were married so young. We got married at 21 and 19 and pre 25. There's a lot of stuff that's just not developed. And so we, we lived on love. Like <laughs> we existed for the first seven years. I'm, I love you. And we can take nothing, nothing can take us down or, you know, we can stand against anything. Well, sure. When things are good, but what about when it gets tested? What about when you have a lot of stress and a lot of pressure and, and then relationships, people in your ear saying, you're so wonderful. Your wife should tell you these things, you know, and your wife's pregnant or we have two kids and my wife's <laughs> taking care. You know what I mean? Like she's doing a lot and, and it's like, she's not there to exalt me. Um, and I didn't get that. I didn't understand that. So I can say for me, that was, those were the things of this having these these things pulled back to 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 see like clearly of wow woe is me you know like how did how did I allow this so there's a lot of like humility yeah oh yeah thank you a lot of humility. yeah and and for you Brooke then you know obviously yes forgiveness right that is the key that unlocks the path forward forward in these type of you know in marriages all the time but for you how hard was was it easy for forgiveness was it something that you sort of had to ask go to god to and say help me <laughs> i think it was definitely like a process obviously like there were still things that would come up a year two years down the road that i had to deal with i think us having open and honest communication so when i had an issue, I would bring it up to him and he would validate my feelings and listen to me and wouldn't be like, oh, we're not going to talk about that. That's in the past. You're just being sensitive. You're just being crazy. He didn't dismiss my feelings because he knew that it was a process for me to work through. So that was huge. Um, the second thing was, I think seeing him so humble and broken and knowing that struggle inside him gave me more compassion for him. I, I could see the brokenness and, and feel that and, and the things that he was wrestling with God with. And so it made me have more compassion for him and see him in a different light than just seeing him as like, Oh, he's just being a big jerk. You know, like I, I did, I had, I was looking through, God's eyes. And that's what I would pray. I would say, let me see him how you see him, not through my pain, my disappointment, you know, what I think he should do and what I think he should be, but like, help me to be his biggest cheerleader because like, I could tell that he was, he was punishing himself enough. He didn't need me to come along and just add to it. He needed me to come along and be his biggest cheerleader and help him and support him and work through it with him, not just lay on more heaps of shame and pain. And, you know, so that's kind of, that was my prayer and my posture during that time. And honestly, sometimes I don't know how I got to that posture, but 
<laughs> I dug into the Lord a lot. So, yeah. And so how, you know, this is going to sound like a crazy question, but like how important is God in marriages now? Right. We know it's important, but I think sometimes you sort of on your own spiritual walk at times. And you, sometimes that walk is, I'm not going to say in opposite directions, but you know, you're kind of off doing your own thing. And I think, you know, for, for Amy and me, that was like, that's been the key is being able to be like walking together yeah. in the same, uh, you know, in the same footsteps with God, like, and, and just you know, from your perspective, how important is that? Well, I, mean, I mean, she can tell you her prayer, you know, which is something we share with couples. Yeah. And I would pray even, even when we were dating and I, I was, a I was a little church girl that went to all the church stuff and private Christian school and all the things. And, and um, so I just would pray and pray that Kurt and I would get closer together as we got closer to God. And so like, I wanted us to go like this so that we would get closer together as we got closer closer to the Lord. Um, and I think that when you're, I mean, you can have good relationships, but I think the deepest relationships are when your, your souls are connected. Right. So I think if you're not moving in that spiritual direction together and sharing those things, it's just a level that you just won't, you'll miss, you'll miss out on that. I think is just a crucial level in your intimacy and like sharing what God speaks to you and where you're going and what you think and like having someone that you can mm -hmm. talk to about that. So, yeah, it's always like when we, it's crazy to think that while we were in ministry, cause we've been in ministry since we got married pretty much. Like we jumped mm -hmm. in to, we got to, married in August. We moved and became youth pastors in October yeah. of that same year. So it's kind of crazy to think that we like knew some of these things, but then you can still not walk in them. Like you can have your relationship with God and she has her relationship with God, but together you're not really growing to get, you're not really growing together. And I mean, it's a whole nother topic. I mean, to, to, to understand that the, the, the uh, deception that, that can happen, spiritual deception. Um, and these exchanges that we can say, well, I'm doing so I'm doing these good things. And so you begin to um, or I began to and people can dismiss the bad because, well, I'm doing this. So in the marriage, it's so, so pivotal to to be walking like literally together, like we're individuals, but we're walking on the same journey on the same path. So when we face struggles we're both realigning them to the truth of the word of God in the same context because we're both growing in the Lord. And so, if that makes sense. And then, so yeah. then I think when now, when I'm high, <laughs> we don't get high, Neil. <laughs> this is, hey, this is Missouri. It's all legal now. <laughs> but, but when I'm having the, I'm on the mountaintop experience and she's a little, she's a little low then I'm able to speak truth in her, not in condemn, not in shaming, but able because we're on the same journey, but I understand we have highs and lows. We have mountaintops, we have peaks and valleys. So vice versa, she's there for me and I'm there for her. That's how God has put this. Like we are fighting for one another, not against. And so that's the difference. Like when you're having a cruddy day 
and your spouse comes in and, and they don't want, <laughs> they're just like, they don't want to hear it. They don't mess around with it. I mean, uh, or they can say, Hey, no, it's going to be okay. Like, and this is the truth of it. And I think you have to, like, if, if the Lord is the voice that you're listening to, you're listening to the same voice, right? So he's going to give you the same context and like, you know, truth to move mm. forward. Where I think when we were struggling in our marriage, we were listening to a lot of different voices yeah. that were saying a lot of different things. And we were getting pulled in a lot of different directions where we thought, well, I think this is the way to go. And I think this is right. And I think, yeah, I think you're wrong there. And I think you're, you know, and we were listening to so many voices, but when you're both listening to one voice and that's the voice that we're following, then it makes things so much easier because you're, you're not, you're, everything else is just out here, but you're both focused mm. on the same voice, yeah. saying the same things, moving you in the same direction, speaking the same truth. So, um, I think we, that's pivotal. Yeah, it is. And can I say one more thing on that? Cause you can't listen. You can't, you can't hear a voice. If you're not praying, if you're not, <laughs> you know, you're not together, you can't hear together. If you're not praying together. And I think that was a deep revelation for us that we started walking in on the other side of this. We started praying together. Yeah. Like it's kind of wild to think that we were, you know, following Christ, but we weren't praying together, you know, outside, like maybe in church, but like at home and stuff, we're not praying over one another. We're not taking just a little bit of time and speaking, you know, and praying so we can hear. So we both like hear and we both look at each other and it doesn't take much. It doesn't take something like that. We don't pray every day together. We'd like to, but that doesn't happen every day, but it's intentional that we're praying praying together. And it changes the dynamic. Cause like if you're frustrated with someone or annoyed with someone, and then you pray together and you hear them pray over you and for you. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's really hard to be <laughs> mad at someone when they're praying over yeah. you and praying yeah. for your future and your hopes and your dreams and protect them. I mean, it breaks down a lot of walls in a relationship when you're praying those things over each yeah. other too. So yeah, for sure. And I think that's I, I think that's a great point because there were times where I would get frustrated at Amy, and then I would just um, I'd hang on to that anger. And you know, I'm speaking, you know, obviously Kurt here specifically for men. Like sometimes your wife will do something, and you're just like you can't let it go, and it just creates this you know friction and tension. And then, but, you know, and I, so I used to carry on to that, but what made the difference and what sort of helped me let it go a heck of a lot faster was when we were praying together. And that's just, it just sort of centered you again, like, okay, like this is, (laughs) what am I doing? Why am I angry (laughs) over something that is so insignificant? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so like, you know, for, you know, for men, like, um, I guess, you know, we all struggle at times, you know, in, inside marriages, you know, I guess what would be the, you know, as you're talking to, to couples and, you know, like what, what are some of the first things you're, you're, you're telling would be your advice to, to marriages that might be looking for some help? Because, you know, in this culture today, I think there's like marriages aren't necessarily looked upon like as this sacred, you know, union right. anymore. Like it's right. so easy, you know, it's, it's the culture says eh, you don't like what you got. Well, go find something else. And you don't mm-hmm. even just don't even get divorced. Go find something first and then, you know, take care of, you yeah. know, get divorced later. So 
Uh, so there's a lot of mixed signals coming from from culture about marriages. But how would you counsel you know couples that are coming to you struggling right now and, and looking for that first time sort of what are those first steps they can do to, to start to rebuild? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I think let me let me speak to just marriage real quick because that would where be where we'd start with couples. We'd actually kind of like ask them. I know we, we, we've asked probably the majority of our couples of like, like, do you still want to be married? You know, like if, if neither one of them, like if one of them's like not, then, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to work on this? Cause it takes two healthy people to work on them, to work really on a marriage. Like there's a deception that you can just work on a marriage. It's like, you're really working on individuals. Well, and most people that sit down and talk to us and they say, we want to work on our marriage. They're really going like, you know, like <laughs> fix them, fix them. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like our, yeah. our posture is like he said, it takes two healthy people yeah. to have a healthy marriage. So mm-hmm. really you're working mm-hmm. on you and bringing your yeah. best to the marriage. And then yeah. the other person then you'll have a healthy marriage. Yeah. So, so it's like the question becomes really like, do you really, do you want to know who you are? Like, do you want to be, know, know who you are and be known? And then the power is in the choosing. Like, cause the reality is if you go off and you go somewhere else, they're gonna, they're going to get to know you <laughs> and they're going to have to make a choice or either choose you or say, I'm out, I'm out of this one. And it was that just a cycle. Like, I actually think I was saying, telling a gentleman yesterday, I said, how amazing we're talking about marriage. And he just, he's, he loves, 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 loves his wife. And, and it's pretty beautiful. It's pretty cool. And, and like, and it's genuine and he has to, but he's like, I have to reassure her. Like, are you, she'll ask me, like, are you sure? And he's like, I choose you. And I said, bro, I can't tell you like this side of heaven, what power there is in feeling chosen. Like, right. Like, we all know the natural feeling of being chosen, like, you know, in school or whatever, you get chosen for something, feels pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what happens every day in marriage. You get the power to choose, to look at one another and see them and see the flaws, see the blemishes. And we most certainly do. She knows me better than anybody else, but, and she still chooses me. And I'm going, that's incredible. It's a glimpse. It's a glimpse of Jesus. Like it's a glimpse of yeah. Jesus's love for us. And he chooses us, right? Jesus knows us actually more intimately. And he still says, I love you. And I have a hope and I have a future. And it's like, I, we want that to be like, just cover marriages of like, look at each other and, and, and like, start to go <laughs> like on some level, like you're going to have to choose somebody and somebody's going to have to choose you if you want to be in a healthy relationship. Well, and like, right. When we talk about two healthy people make a healthy marriage, you have to get to the place where you're not codependent and needy and you have to have a relationship and you have like, you have to be so good with yourself. Like, Mm. you know, you and the Lord are good, Mm. right? Like I'm good. Right. And so therefore I don't need you. You know, I don't have to Jerry Maguire, like you complete me. No, I'm complete. You're complete. Yeah. I don't need you. I'm not dependent on you. I'm not needy and all of this stuff. I choose you, yeah. which that changes the whole relationship dynamic when you need somebody versus when you choose somebody, yeah. because therefore it's like, I, I just on purpose am choosing every day to be with you. Yeah. I don't have to, cause I could be by myself and be completely fine. Cause I'm a whole individual. 
but I choose to be with you, which just makes the relationship feel just different. I think. Yeah. It takes a level of healthiness in individuals. And I think where it starts is like, it doesn't take perfection. Like it doesn't take like, Oh gosh. Okay. So we got to be totally healthy and then we'll have a healthy marriage. No, no, no. Nobody's totally healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Like nobody is walking in perfection. So what it takes though is an awareness. Mm-hmm. Like in most people have such blinders on their own, right? Right? Like so, it's like this, right? We came to marriage counseling, fix them, and I'm like, uh-uh. no, no, we're working on you. And same with other, we're working on you. Like if you're willing to say, I'm a, I'm part in this, because even if it's ninety yeah, ten, yeah, it's still you have the ten yeah. percent you can work on. Because you know we don't want to like give passage and just give this like to, to people to treat you know well I gotta choose them you know I gotta choose somebody so I'll <laughs> choose them and I'll just work through this junk. It's like no 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 hold on that's not what we're saying either. We're wanting like people with like really strong self awareness to know that hey I want to grow. Like like I and I think back to when we were in our low point and when we talked about like humility, it was the same thing. It was like self awareness. Cause there had been a lot yes. of years where I'd try to point out things yeah. and it was like, Oh no, 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 that's not, no, no, you're wrong. That's not happening. That's you're right. crazy, whatever. But then when it flipped and there was a self-awareness, which brings humility, which just leads you down a whole different path of your relationship. When you can yeah. say, I do miss the mark and I'm sorry. And I want to do better. Like it makes yeah. the other person again, have look at you through a way different lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's, you know, what you say about needing someone versus choosing someone. And um, it's such a, it's such an important piece because to, I think too often, uh, and that's probably, I think how I was when I was a 20 year old guy looking for a, a, a wife that I need someone to complete me. Yes. It wasn't a <laughs> Jerry Maguire moment and yeah. um, versus you're feeling complete with Christ and that you yeah. just, you know, you need that person to, you know, to, to compliment you on this journey. But so kind of to that point, like, where do you think a lot of relationships break down today? What are some of the sort of the, the, the I guess, potholes that people run into on this journey? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, one of the main ones I would say is like being intentional Um, and with your intimacy and intimacy, isn't just sexual, it's, you know, physical, spiritual, emotional, but just not being intentional because when you're dating, you know, you put a lot of thought into a lot of things like, Mm. what are we going to do? What am I going to wear? Should I leave a little note? Should I stop and get a flower? You know, there's intention. And then you throw in like, a couple of kids and a stressful job and a few areas of disappointment and busyness. And you just get out of being intentional. And that's where you slowly slip into just coexisting. And then that's when people, I think when they say they, you know, they grew apart or they Mm -hmm. fell out of love. I, I think they just stopped being intentional. They stopped putting any sort of effort and care into the relationship because life happened and, you know, disappointment and all this stuff is sprinkled in. And, and so it's like, they just stopped pursuing 
that intimacy and knowing each other and talking and spending time to get like you did that at the beginning, you were very intentional, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think that that's a major pothole that life can get in the way. And we just slowly drift into yeah, the drift, the drift. Yeah. Beware of the drift. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's usually not like a sharp left, you know, it's it may feel like that. It may hit mm-hmm. you on a Tuesday where mm-hmm. somebody gets left hooked they didn't see it coming, but it was really a drift, you know, and it had been happening for years mm-hmm. and, and it just is now their eyes are open to me. They didn't want to believe it was happening. You know, they wouldn't want to believe that their spouse was capable of X, Y, or Z. And when they come to them and, but really that was, that had been drifting mm-hmm. for years and two people play a role in that. They really do. Um, and it's, and it's not the fault. It, it's not to say the fault of, like if one makes a catastrophic uh, error, <laughs> say adultery or, or you know, those th- on that level, and people kind of think there's no way back for that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there is. There is redemption from that. Like it, it's amazing what God, God can do when, when you have an awakening and you, the healing that can, you can actually be better on the other side from these things. Mm-hmm. I, and I want couples, like, we want couples to know that, like you can dream again, you can hope again, you can believe again, you can start dating again. And that's where like, some of people need to start, like they need to start like dating each other again, really dating because we're the end, just so you know, we're the marriage people who are kind of the anti-date night though. <laughs> um, because I don't know about you, Neil, but like when we were first together, we didn't have to set up date night. Like we're like, we want to be with each other all the time. But then somewhere in the life gets in the way and we're like, ah, where can we carve out 30 minutes to spend together? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. what happened? What happened with our like something in our heart that felt it? We, we don't mean to be like cheesy or like, but it's like I talked to the guy last night, like, like I'm not dependent. Like I don't need her, but I choose her and I love to spend time. We love cultivating our intimacy and our closeness. We love it. Mm-hmm. Um, we still can go hang out with friends. We can still be like a part. We still go on dates. Yeah. It's not, and I don't call it like, oh, what are you doing at home? Like, we're not weirdos, <laughs> you know, but it's like we desire to have closeness. And couples, I think one of the potholes is they don't develop closeness. They think because we've been together for 15 years, like the cliche, like, right, the, I love you. I love you. And if something changes, I'll let you know. And mm-hmm. it's like, the, I think the pothole for men is is what she's talking about. I can speak to men. It's like, what happened with your pursuit? You know, like I, I don't want to challenge men as they like keep pursuing your wife. Like that is a God ordained, I believe, a God ordained order that that men are pursuers. You know, <laughs> like like this is this is Christ in like Christ is picture of the church. Like here is Christ pursuing. That's what he does. He's going after. And like as men, he's called us to love our wives. That's what it says. And so like go back to the scriptures as men and challenge like, challenge ourselves to like, how am I pursuing my wife in healthy ways? Not just <laughs> for physical intimacy, <laughs> but how am I pursuing her heart? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's where I think if you if they if you do that, you'll get you'll get not that you're manipulative, but if you do that and pursue the heart, mm-hmm. wow you'll get an explosive, intimate marriage. Mm -hmm. And doing like, 
like cultivating that closeness is a lot of little things. Like it doesn't have to be this big complicated scenario. It's like, you know, they're just the little reaches throughout the day that just, you know, like show the person I'm here. I care, you know, the, the quick text message, I'm thinking of you, you know, it's just all the little things over time that cultivate that closeness. Okay. I'm going to be brutally honest here about something that um, probably going to, you know, have my man card revoked if that's the thing, but I mean, cause like, I I love spending time with Amy. Right. And wasn't like that at all before, you know, I I wanted to spend as little time with her as possible, but when I got my heart right with God and got a new heart, I want to spend every second with her, but you're, I think you're right. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. Like, this is where my man card comes in. Like we don't do a whole heck of a lot, but just sitting on the couch and like she comes home or if if I come home from work and I'll sit down next to her, she'll immediately throw her feet up in my lap and say, okay, rub my feet. And like, but I wanted, like, I want to do that. Like I want to serve her, you know, and and be, be, just be with her and be in her presence. Right. And it's just, um, it's just a different, this is a different perspective. Um, but I, I do want to sort of um, address this this one thing, especially for 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 men that might be out there. And you talk about you know this intimacy, and it's it's more than just a physical intimacy that um, that we need to pursue our wives in. But I'm wondering, from your perspective, how much does you know the use of pornography and and, and that type of thing sort of, I guess, poison that dynamic? If you yeah. yeah, I think that is a, a cha- I mean, it's an ever-growing, not to, it's an ever-growing challenge in our culture and our society. Like we're seeing the numbers, we're we're seeing the the brokenness um, and the pain surrounding it. And we're also seeing though, I think, I believe there's education coming behind this that's backing like what what is the different how the different nuances in the brain that porn does. I was just talking to a gentleman today about this, and um, we, we were just talking about how destructive pornography is, and how 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 prevalent it is, and how it just seeps in in the access to it, right? And it's in it. What it does, they've taken the scans of brains, and I don't want to. I don't want to talk beyond what I'm really knowledgeable in. But what I've been in some seminars and seen the scans of brains of heroin addicts and, and, and porn addicts, same. Yeah. The destruction of the brain, the the holes in the brain, the cognitive development or stunting, and the the memory loss and things that happen as a result of continued porn use. It's real, and and so that's that's from a brain standpoint. So now we understand deeper what we're dealing with, like from a, a man who's dealing with this, it's not just, it's not just like this so simple as to tell him, well, stop watching porn. Like, or you don't love your wife because you're watching, you're watching porn or you're looking at porn. It, it, this is a addiction. This is a deep level brain. And it has to been, it has to come from, from a spiritual, an emotional or mental and a physical side. You have to get all three components. Because there is a discipline to it, I believe. There is a discipline. There's a spiritual awakening to it, right? And then there is a mental. There is a thing that needs to be healed in the brain. And so it, it's not so easy. Hey, just stop watching. 
believe me, I wanted to stop watching porn. I deeply desire, I mean, I, I, I want to give this up, but my brain was just, it was such a wrestling match. So the shame engine, boy, the shame in the cycle was real. Now for her, I don't want to speak for you, but she has a, has a powerful story of what it means to like be in a support to not fully understand, but not lay shame and to be able to walk alongside and pray and just war and believe for healing. Well, and like I had to, no, I had to, I I want women to know that 99% of the time, if your husband is dealing with porn, it really has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do that. He doesn't find you attractive. He doesn't love you. He doesn't desire you. Like Kurt said, it's something that probably entered his life before you came along and, and, and snatched his brain away. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I had to, I had to separate that, that it, it has nothing to do with me as a woman and as a wife, like I'm not miss, I do miss the mark, but it's not like, Oh, if I could just do this better, or if I could just do yeah. this more, or if I could just look a certain way, or I could like, and laying all of that on me to like fix him. Like it is not my job to fix him. It is my job to, like I said earlier, try to pray for him, be the biggest support, be someone he can come to without laying shame um, and all of those things to help him in that recovery of, of that addiction. Yeah. But, but to know as a woman, and again, this is where it goes back to, I am a whole person. So my identity is not wrapped up in him alone. Right. right. So when he misses the mark or missed the mark, I didn't have to take that as on myself. Right. Because I'm good. Me and the Lord are good. And so now I'm a strong person and can help him through this instead of me taking that on as part of my identity. And now there's something wrong with me. And now I have shame and he has shame. And now we're both snowballing in this whole cycle. Um, so for women, I mean, it is, it is most certainly I would say 99% of the time it has yeah. really nothing to do with his love for you um, or how he desires you or anything like that. And that really set me free knowing that to be able to stand next to him and help him through that. The sad reality is you and I know, Neil, that it does affect our ability to have closeness and intimacy. Yep. Um, the, the, when porn is allowed, you know, to, to just be operated in full capacity in, in that kind of level, it's going to lead to other things. It's going to lead to whether it's real, real relationships. I mean, that is a very strong possibility down that track, but for a lot of men, it may not lead there, but it leads to a breaking of the relationship that you desire the most. You can't have full intimacy with that in operation, you're going to be sacrificing something and, or, and that then works into your other relationships. It's, (laughs) you can become frustrated in life. You can become in a fog in life. You can become depressed. You get all these things begin to operate. And so porn is just, it is as destructive as I believe as any drug that we have out there, it's as destructive or maybe more because we 
culture tends to accept, I mean, not tends, culture accepts it it and minimizes it or flat out just accepts it as, as a valid way to, to, to make money, (laughs) right. As a valid, you know, all these things, we know this, but we don't like we as, as Christ followers as centering our life around God and the word of God, we want to apprehend it for the, the vehicle that brings death and destruction. And, but there's life outside of there's life and there's healing that we, I really believe that God has created a way, a pathway to, to hit healing the brain, you know, and healing the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think what you said, Brooke is important for, for women to remember that it's, it's not about, about them necessarily. It's something that was triggered a long time ago, usually in childhood. That, and it's just, it's just something that yeah. You, you, it's, it's a struggle for everybody. And it, that's one of the things that surprised me the most since I've been going to church is how many men inside the church are struggling with it. Yeah. You know, that's dash. That is so that's heartbreaking. Cause I know mm-hmm. what, I know what it is. I know what it's doing to men. So. Yes. Well, um, you, you said that right there, Neil, that's the thing for men to know that your porn addiction is on the surface level, it's seen, it may be seen as, oh, it, it's just about porn, but it's probably not. No, it's, it's probably not. And that's the, that's the enemy's deception in our life is that there's a deeper rooted issue that we need touched and we need healed from that has, that led us into that, like to get that hook in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're right. It could have started in the vulnerability of our childhood. Right. It could have started there where a lie was implanted in us that we're not enough. Right. That we're, yeah. we're not, we're, we're a spirit of rejection comes over us. And this, these are the things that I walked in. And so porn was the manifest man, manifestation of that, of deeper level pain. But I couldn't, I just thought I was like, I gotta stop porn. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but I, but that's like, I gotta get, he, he's like, I want to get to the root of that. Yeah. And, and here I am 44 and that's, that's like still like, I want to tell men, like, listen, if you're deeply set and rooted in porn addiction, this is not something that just like snap of the finger and you're better. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do believe is there's levels of healing that God is bringing to your life. Now, God can. I believe this guy can instantly heal. But I also know that God just brings you through from glory to glory and, and begins to bring healing and healing and healing to your life if you allow him to. You allow them to keep doing layers. And, and I'm speaking to different levels of men because, like, one guy I talked to, he's like, Well, I started looking at porn at 13 and he was able to stop. Like, he was able to stop. Well, I, I saw porn when I was at seven, seven years old. I have no box yeah. for that at seven. <laughs> no box. You know, abuse, sexual abuse from 10 to 15. No box for that. Right. So, so that went deep. And because I layered it and wouldn't get to it because I was scared, I was ashamed. Boy, it just, it built up. So now God's got to peel it back. So I want to encourage men. I'm like, let him peel it back. It may take a journey. It may, but it's worth it. It's like worth every step to get your healing and don't allow it. Like you get stuck and then shame to then pile back. No, no, no. Just let him keep pulling it back. And I think one of the things for us was allowing him to talk about it with me. Not in a yeah. detailed way, but right, to right. say, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I, you know, need you to pray right. and I need you right. to understand that 
you know, and he reassured me and things like that. So having a, a relationship that is open and without condemnation and shame yeah. is, I think, a valuable yeah. point to yeah. healing. It's good. It is. And, and I, and I think too, when, when you get rid of that, when you take that out of your life, it changes, you know, it changes the way it changes your marriage, right? It changes the way that you look at your, at your partner. And so um, that's such a, it's, it's so crazy what it does to you, to your brain yeah. how it just scrambles yeah. you. Uh, but I, I don't want to end on that note. I want to end on a, on a positive <laughs> note. Yeah, sure. So, um, sure. so one last question for both of you before we go, um, like what has you, what has you optimistic about marriages today? When we deal with couples, there's a lot of questions around intimacy mm-hmm. around this. And we are, we're becoming more and more, we want to be unashamed. We want to be open. And I think there's more Christian biblically based people that want to create these spaces to actually talk. Cause where do these, the world will answer your questions. <laughs> Yeah. This is part of like what I joke, I joke with our pastor, Philip, about like everything I learned about sex, I learned from porn. That's not good. <laughs> no, no. But, not, but that's, that's not real. That is a fact. That is a fact like this, right? Because it's unashamed. It's, it'll show you. It'll tell you. This, yeah. is, this is intimacy. This is like real sex, right? And it's, but it's you and I both know, Neil, it's not. It's, yeah. actually, it's actually God's intimacy and plan for marriage. He's got the corner market on sexuality. And here we are in the kingdom, like timid to like talk to couples, to sit with them and really talk about their frustrations, their, their questions. And I don't have anybody to, to talk to. And where would they go for resources? Well, Google it. What are you going to get when you Google it? Probably not godly stuff. <laughs> and like when we did our like marriage retreat and seminar things, and we would have people post oh. questions. I mean, there's people that have been married 30 years and they have questions, but they, they've never had a safe place to know who to ask, or it's uncomfortable to talk about. Um, and so, but what's being thrown in your face is not truth. So people are very confused. And so I think we're passionate about having open dialogue and it might be uncomfortable, but like you need couples need some place where they can ask the questions and talk about it without, um, feeling ashamed or that they yeah. should already know the yeah. answers, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's important to give people is to give them a space to have that open dialogue. Um, yeah. I think another thing for us is, you know, when we were in the middle of all of our junk and someone would say to us, you know, don't worry, you know, if the, if they would have said it's going to be better in 10 years than you ever thought we would have been like, how you you're crazy. (laughs) Like it's dark. It's messy. It feels terrible. This is, it can't get any better. Like it's, it's just not going to. And so it's like, but us being on the other side, you being on the other side, like you can see it. And so it's like, we want to stand in the gap for those couples and, and be hope when they don't have hope because we know it can, we know it to be true. So I get that when they're in the middle of it, it seems hopeless. It seems dark and they need someone to come along. They don't need their girlfriend or their guy friend or their coworker to be like, Oh yeah, this is terrible. Throw in the towel. They need someone to come in and say, it can be better. There's hope for you. This is why this is our story of redemption and moving through it 
and getting to the better side that it was even better than it was before. And so we're passionate about being that hope for couples when they don't have hope for themselves. Yeah. And and I, I believe too, God is bringing others around even us you guys mm-hmm. are a great example. God is bringing others and telling the same story. So I'm yeah. optimistic that out of the hurt and pain, God is bringing forth couples that, that they have the same redemption story because we need more couples to tell their story. Cause we, we, you know, we're talking to other, other, our spiritual leaders and stuff about this too. We need more. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like we're going to meet every couple. Like that's not going to happen, but God's going to bring, people in our life that we are optimistic that, Hey, we, we can journey with you. And we believe for like, if you're not believing, let us, let us stand in the gap and believe for you because we've been there. And don't be ashamed of your story because your story brings hope to other people. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, and it's, that's, um, it's just amazing how, how, how God works. So, um, we actually, um, someone had reached out to the rock who happened to saw Amy and I's testimony randomly this person doesn't go to the rock they saw our testimony and emailed the rock and the 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 wife didn't say hey can you have amy contact me because i think there's i think she can help like it's just like that's like that's so crazy like but that's what that's why we are open and honest and and i appreciate you leading by example and the stuff that you do and that uh that brings the brings everybody encouragement so thank you for that um if, if people want to um contact you and reach out to you what's the best way they can where can they find you <laughs> how about that i they find us you know kurt at rockofkc.com uh, they can email me through that they can email her at uh brooke vig at gmail.com yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and yeah awesome. she does like she does a lot of life coaching um online instagram and meets with it helps women navigate that side specifically. I know she meets with men and women, but specifically helps really helps women um, navigate a lot of different things, but, but uh, the struggles and the trials that come with being married to us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. It's tough. We're, we're difficult creatures sometimes, you know, (laughs) I, I think mean, women get the bad rap, but I'm telling you, sometimes you. I, I don't know. Yeah. Our experience is men. Like our our experience has been is it's the men. <laughs> it's the men. It's and that's it's. I didn't realize it until I you know just yeah until I found God. But I realized yeah we've screwed it up pretty good pretty good <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> we blame it on the women like Adam. Nothing's changed. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, listen, thank you so much for, for coming on. Uh, we yeah. appreciate it. And uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, you guys are a blessing. So thank you. Thanks, well, Neil. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Yeah. Thanks again to Kurt and Brooke for coming on this week's episode of Unmasked. I, I appreciate the encouragement and wisdom and support they offered. Well, first they offered Amy uh, before I was saved. And then this, the, the, wisdom that they've offered up us as our marriage has been rebuilt from the ground floor. So thank you for, again to them for coming on and and sharing some some words of encouragement with all of us this week. Hey, coming up next week on Mast, uh, we're going to bring back friend of the show, Christy Neal. Uh, Christy is the author of Don't Ever Tell. And next week, we're going to talk, have a very candid conversation about rebuilding trust in marriages uh, after adultery. So it's a great episode. Hope you're 
tune back in for that one. And yes, there will be a video component for that one as well. I'm putting it out there. We're going to make it happen. So hey, everybody, I just, I just thank you so much for, for listening each and every week. And I uh, hope you come back next week. And remember, Jesus did not come to hang out with the saints and the righteous. He came to hang out with the sick, the sinners of the world, just like you and just like me. Not to revel in our sin, but to call us out of it. Have a great week, everybody. 